everyone. My name is Curtis Johnson, and I'm Vice President of Housing Strategy for Catholic Charities USA, also known as CCUSA. Welcome to another CCUSA Healthy Housing podcast. The CCUSA Healthy Housing Initiative is a five-year pilot in five cities, Detroit, Las Vegas, Portland, Oregon, St. Louis, and Spokane. It combines the housing and case management skills of Catholic charities with the health and medical expertise of Catholic health to solve chronic homelessness. Healthy housing has three goals, reducing chronic homelessness by 20%, reducing hospital readmission rates by 25%, and connecting 35% of those housed to case management, primary health care, and behavioral health services. Today, we'll learn how the Catholic Health Association supports the CCUSA Healthy Housing Initiative. Our guest today is Sister Mary Haddad, CEO of Catholic Health Association. Welcome, Sister Mary. Thank you, Curtis. It's a pleasure to be with you virtually today. Glad that you're here. Sister Mary Haddad, RSM, is a member of the Sister of Mercies and is the 10th President and Chief Executive Officer of Catholic Health Association, also known as CHA. Sister Mary leads Catholic CHA's mission to support and advance the Catholic Church's health ministry in the U.S., its network of hospitals, long-term care facilities, and community health centers represents the nation's, nation's largest group of nonprofit health providers. She leads the association's strategic planning and develops initiatives to support CHA members in providing high-quality, accessible health care to people of all ages, races, faiths, and ethnic groups. Sister Mary also directs CHA's national advocacy initiatives to protect life, promote community well-being, address social determinants and disparities. She works to develop new models of health delivery, protect Medicaid, Medicare, and create a just health system that works for all, particularly poor and vulnerable persons. So again, welcome Sister Mary. Thank you. And I think we'll start by asking you to tell us about the Catholic Health Association, its mission and objectives. Happy to do that again. Thank you, Curtis. It's a pleasure to be with you. Um, so CHA is a membership organization of Catholic healthcare. I like to always say we're a leadership organization as well. We're comprised of more than 600 hospitals and 1,600 long-term care and a variety of other types of health services located in all 50 states. And I'd add that um, even though our corporate offices are, uh, the corporate offices of our members are located in the United States, we have members that have facilities beyond the U.S. border. So I think we're seeing a, a growing reality there. We represent the largest group of nonprofit healthcare providers in the nation, with one in seven patients being seen in a Catholic hospital each day. So a significant footprint in this country. And um, the mission, the mission of CHA really is to advance the healing ministry of Jesus um, by assisting our members and advocating for just federal legislation and policies that improve health care for all by strengthening our Catholic identity and our church relations, and by engaging our members in sharing of best practices and also um, 
in mobilizing our ministry around critical issues that impact Catholic healthcare. We collectively believe that um, healthcare is a basic human right and it's essential um, in order to promote the dignity of all and the common good. And uh, we are a group of people who are committed for working for just healthcare in this country. We're glad to have you as our partner. So let's talk about the social determinants of health system area. Um, can you give us a general definition of social determinants of health for lay folks and then maybe tell us how CHA and CCSA networks might work together to address the same? Absolutely. So the, the working definition, if you will, that we've been hearing over and over again around social determinants is um, of the conditions in which people are born, grow, work, live, and age. Um, and the wider set of um, environmental and external forces that really shape one's living conditions, the conditions of daily life. And we've come to understand more fully that um, these conditions have a significant impact on health. Generally in the past, we focused on looking at one's genetic makeup. Um, you know, as we age, we have um, health issues that tend to surface with an aging body as we can all um, testify to that. But we're recognizing more and more that um, where you live, your zip code, actually has more to say about your health and your genetic code. And um, so, you know, where you have um, uh, an inability to access safe and affordable housing will impact your health, inability to have access to healthy foods and clean water, um, gainful employment, all of those things, all those social conditions will impact your overall health. Um, we think about this specifically during COVID, you know, um, oftentimes when we were talking about people who needed to be in isolation, where everyone was doing remote work and, you know, finding themselves being uh, distant from uh, friends and family. When you think about a person who's homeless, they had no place to go. So how do you stay safe? It, it became, it, it really exacerbated the impact that um, people without housing had on their general health. And so, um, you know, we've been working with Catholic Charities throughout the years, I would say, you know, sure. in a variety of different things. And um, Curtis, if I may share my history, uh, I, I shared this with you before we started recording that I actually worked in Catholic Charities here in St. Louis eons ago. And um, I would say that the work I did then was looking at developing partnerships between healthcare and social service agencies. Um, it, was a, it was really a critical factor in how do we bring those two critical um, service um, areas together in order to impact one's overall health. And I was involved here in St. Louis in an organization called the Archbishop's Commission on Community Health. Mm. And we're in strong partnership with all of Catholic charities throughout uh, the city of St. Louis, wow. as well as Catholic healthcare. So I have a, um, a, a long history of looking at the importance of bringing healthcare into um, uh, community uh, centers, bringing in health screenings, bringing in primary care, a whole host of things. So when the opportunity of looking at the Healthy Housing Initiative surfaced, thought it really did bring us back to our roots. 
I mean, wow. the collaboration that had always been a part of, I think, these two organizations. So I'm pleased now to know that we have um, five of our large health systems are working in this initiative in um, four cities, five cities, I believe, across the country. And, um, you know, providing on-site medical treatment, preventive care, behavioral health services, case management, you know, a whole host of things that will yes. be able to help improve one's health. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this being the springboard for other initiatives that will take hold. Wow, that was very interesting that you had thought of these things then at that time and, and, and St. Louis being one of our pilot cities. And, and I'll tell you more interestingly, I, I like the way you put it, conditions of daily life. I mean, that's really what he says in the term. Yes. yes. So CHA's advocacy efforts include making healthcare accessible to all people. And one way is to address disparities. So if you will, Sister Mary, tell us how CHA is addressing racial disparities in healthcare and how might CHA and CCSA center racial equity in the healthy housing initiative? Thank you for that question. I have been saying this over and over again, whenever I have an opportunity or a platform to tell this story, I'm delighted. Um, as we all know that um, during um, the early months of, of COVID, we were recognizing uh, the impact that this was having on minority communities, their inability to have access to PPE and testing and a whole variety of things. That coupled with um, the increased racial tension and violence that we saw with the murder of George Floyd really escalated. And it was at our June board meeting when our CHA board had gathered, we were actually in the process of looking at our strategic plan. And um, the board became very impassioned and saying, this is, um, a, a, this is an opportunity for us to really step up to the plate and take a leadership role in terms of addressing health equity. So I was pleased that the work of the board and the work of the members of CHA put together a pledge called Confronting Racism by Achieving Health Equity. Hmm. And that framework, I'll talk a little bit about it, but let me just say first and foremost that we have 85% of our membership who have signed on the pledge. Agreed. Everyone has really been, as I said, impelled um, that this is work of Catholic ministries. This is core to who we say we are. This is core to our mission and that we must be a, about, you know, eradicating uh, racism through, you know, health equity is our way of doing it. So we look at it through four pillars. And the first is really around COVID, what we had been seeing all along the impact um, that it was having on minority communities because their inability to access um, PPE, testing, um, treatment, a whole host of things. And so early on, CHA came out um, in, in making um, you know, statements and calling for equitable distribution of these resources, as well as moving into equitable distribution of vaccines. So our first um, uh, pillar on the pledge is really to look at, we will continue to work with this 
and how we can focus in on um, communities of color and really help them get the resources they need to um, uh, really mitigate the impact of COVID. Um, the, the second area, and, and you and Catholic Charities certainly would be so um, um, attuned to this, is the importance of building trust within the communities we serve. For a long time, you know, we pride ourselves in the fact that we provide community benefit and we do a tremendous amount of work. But how are we actually building those relationships? How are the individuals that live within the community engaged in the work that we're doing and helping to determine what is going to be done? Instead of us going in saying, this is what you need, how do we ask them what they need? How do we look at making this a real a mutual you know, relationship that will enhance their efforts as well? So community is another important piece of the pledge. The third area, what we call is getting our own houses in order. So we recognize, you know, we speak about integrity of word and deed. If we want to be agents of change, we have to examine our own organizations, you know, how we recruit, how we hire promotion and retention of employees? You know, how do we conduct our business operations? You know, um, looking at, um, you know, the, the visible diversity that we have in our leadership teams, our decision-making bodies, our boards, and um, how do we look at basically um, addressing unconscious bias that we know is within all organizations and all individuals and holding ourselves accountable for this work? We feel that that's critical in order for us to do the external work, we have to do the internal work. And the last, Curtis, you already had mentioned about the work around advocacy. That has always been a key component of the work we do at CHA and for the pledge as well, you know, looking at the policies and legislations that will help improve health outcomes for minority communities and populations of color. And, um, you know, providing culturally competent care you know, how do we also ensure that we're preparing physicians and nurses and care providers with um, the abilities to provide that care in a, in a very culturally competent way? So those are um, the aspects of the um, work we're doing around, uh, you know, eradicating racism and, and promoting health equity. And I, I think for us with CHA and Catholic Charities, um, it's a wonderful way as we look at the two organizations that have a common mission in terms of promoting the dignity of the person and the common good. That's core to, you know, looking at how do we undo racism in this country. And you know quite well that we look at um, the poverty throughout this country it generally is impacting communities of color. And so that in itself we see is an issue that needs to be addressed. And we've been working with, with you know, um, Catholic charities and helping uh, advocate around those issues. Um, it's, it's become very clear that um, racism is a public health crisis. Mm -hmm. And we have to look at overcoming that in order to really truly improve the health of our communities. Very comprehensive. So say that again, confronting was at the board um, that uh, the pledge itself is called Confronting Racism by Achieving Health Equity. And wow. if you were to get on CHA's website, we have a, a whole um, array of resources that are already on there that will help our members be able to address this 
and we're cascading it out to um, throughout the entire membership. We'll take a look at that because we're looking at the same thing, how healthy housing can can, can center racial equity. It's very key, right? COVID did uh, bring that directly to the floor. So <clears throat> we launched Healthy Housing, our Healthy Housing Initiative in January 2020. So uh, timing, maybe we're not so good at, but uh, despite the pandemic, Sister Mary, the initiative was able to, to take 176 formerly chronically homeless persons and, and, and find them permanent affordable housing. So we were really happy about the permanent supportive housing that the initiative could do even in the pandemic. And, and, and I guess, and I think, you know, kind of built around this, but why is the Healthy Housing Initiative an effort that your network should explore and support? Yeah. Well, first, let me say congratulations to you, Curtis, because that's that's um, a great achievement, as you said, in the midst of what's been happening in this country over the past, what, 17 months almost now. Amazing. So um, that's a tremendous amount of work. And, um, I, you know, as I had said before, we talked about the social determinants that safe and affordable housing, um, you know, Housing is one of those social conditions that are important if we're going to improve one's health. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if you look at the literature, we've seen over and over how chronic homelessness um, and, um, you know, impacts one's health. You know, that people who are um, homeless or who are chronically homeless um, have higher um, morbidity rates, they're sicker, and um, not only in terms of their physical health, but also in their mental health. And they have increased rates of mortality, death rates among that population. So the studies have shown and demonstrated the link between safe housing and good health. And uh, we also know that um, pregnant women, that children in the womb are impacted by that as well. You know, the stresses certainly that the mother is going through and their recognition that um, those children in the womb who experience homelessness or whose parent, you know, mother experienced homelessness, they too suffer worse outcomes. And um, so it's very clear that um, there's a link here and that if we really want to address the health of these populations, we have to look at, you know, providing um, safe and affordable housing for them. I think, you know, another important piece um, that we've recognized, and, and certainly I, I may share this, I was a former social worker in um, hospital setting and uh, recognizing the importance of having um, respite care for homeless individuals um, who have come to the emergency room for some sort of care, where yes. do they go afterwards? Right. And or if they've been hospitalized, where do you discharge them? You know, people go home generally with nurses coming in and home health coming in. What happens to a homeless person where they have no place to go? Right. And um, through the years, we've seen a lot of our members developing programs where they have um, purchased old um, hotels and converted them into respite centers where they will have a place and they can staff it with the appropriate 
nursing care being provided for individuals who need this at discharge. So um, it, it helps certainly care for the individual. It also helps with um, minimizing the number of readmissions because people who go back to the street who need care end up getting sick again or you know, um, an injury or their wounds get infected and end up coming back into the hospital. So increased cost, increased you know, um, pain and suffering for the individual. So we've been finding that's another piece of um, you know, really wanting to develop uh, respite um, home care for individuals as well. Very interesting to hear you say that. Um, and I guess, <clears throat> you know, a number of our member agencies are engaged in respite care and, and, and trying to make sure that when folks are discharged, they can get healthy. I mean, that's the, the, the key to this. Um, and, and as a great segue to my next question, Sister Mary, is a, and you already explained it, that partnership is at the core of healthy housing success and um, and what CHA and CCSA do. But I, I want to ask you specifically, what should local Catholic charities agencies seek or expect from local CHA members to establish or begin an effective partnership? Yeah, you know, Curtis, I'm, I'm going to share a little bit again from my past and when I was working in social work. Um, it, it was always interesting that um, um, people would go to the hospitals when they needed financial support. So the social hmm. service agencies, the schools, the daycare centers, they looked at the hospital with deep pockets and they assumed that, you know, <laughs> we, can, we can tap them for the help we need. Certainly, that's without saying, you know, their, their financial resources are there. But I think more importantly today, we're recognizing that what each group brings to the table and how critical it is. So um, as we talk and we keep hearing more about the social conditions, we're recognizing the importance of working with community-based partners in, in, in a, a very constructive way. And, and so you're seeing hospitals and health providers reaching out into the communities, wanting to bring in community-based services into their hospitals and vice versa. There's there's much more of a interchange that's happening between the two organizations. And so I think as we go forward, the appreciation of what each organization brings to the table has really been elevated. And I think that's really important and it, it provides a strong foundation. I think um, what needs to happen is that we can't look at uh, a one size fits all approach. Every community is different. So both organizations need to be in touch with what the community needs and then make the determination of who is best in a position to provide those particular needs um, because they will be different. So, you know, um, CHA members um, do community health needs assessment periodically. It's a requirement that we have and we do it in order to better prepare um, services for the communities. And I think Catholic Charities has always been helpful in um, the creation of those needs assessments that we do. I think taking critical look at that and seeing how we can um, you know, uh, bring to the table what is most necessary in those communities that we're serving. So 
I, I just can't underestimate enough, overestimate enough, excuse me, the importance of having um, the communities at the table and make the determination of what is going to be needed in their communities. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I would also say, you know, back to the specifics around the, the housing piece of it, you know, sure. uh, some of the, the reading that I've been doing um, looks at breaking it down. It's just not housing, but it look at, you know, um, the housing conditions, you yes. know, and yes. looking at the affordability and, and looking at the stability in which one, you know, is able to acquire um, a place to stay and how long they can live there. Again, back to the connections between you know, housing and health, we're recognizing those things and the impact each each of those three things have on health. You know, the conditions, whether or not they're mold infested, um, you know, um, uh, peeling paint, lead, you know, all these contribute to, um, you know, poor health, respiratory conditions, cognitive delays in children. So that aspect of it. Um, you know, the affordability, you know, the fear of eviction and the high housing cost and overcrowding, frequent moves that we see, that contributes to, um, you know, poor overall, you know, uh, stress, mental health issues. And so, again, we're recognizing the importance of being able to stabilize um, housing for individuals if we really want to improve their health. And I really like the way you said one size does not fit all. It's about each community. I mean, we, we have a running joke here where you say when you see one Catholic charities, you've seen one Catholic charities. I'm sure you've heard that. And uh, to, to get involved in the community benefits assessment is key and brings in the community as well as Catholic charities. You know, Curtis, years ago, I um, when I was working like uh, clinical work for social work, I had the opportunity to serve in Trinidad. And I remember one of my greatest lessons learned there is that we have to rid ourselves of cultural arrogance if we truly want to serve the community. And that's with an understanding of just because we come from a certain part of town or we have a certain education level doesn't mean that we know what's best for somebody. You know, we have to engage with them. We have to let go of the cultural arrogance that we sometimes are very unaware that we bring to the table in order to best serve and understand what the needs of the communities are. So to follow up on that, what might be good policy or advocacy areas for us, CCUSA and CHA, for collaboration on, um, I, I guess, in other ways, how can CCSA advocacy efforts support those of CHA on things like Medicaid, Medicare, or the yeah. safety net program? Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, just to say that we've been doing a lot of collective work already, you know, sure. COVID has brought us to the table, you know, and saying, you know, what are the things that we need to be working on in terms of legislation that will really help improve the lives of the people we serve. Yes. So um, we know that Medicaid is a, a, a critical need and, you know, said to look at how do we look at closing the gap and ensuring that people have access to affordable health care is very important and Medicaid expansion, you know, and, and, and see that throughout 
the country, not you know just in certain states. That that is a critical piece of the work we've been doing together because um, you know the um, again getting back to people who you know experience poverty are going to have poor health, and so we want to not only you know lift them out of poverty through housing, but we also have to provide an access into healthcare. And Medicaid will give them that access and uh, affordable health care, which is going to be critically important. Um, you know, I think the Opportunity Starts at Home campaign that we've been working on with you, the Health yes. Tank Network Advocacy, advocacy yes. Group, you know, we're looking right now, um, you know, we have to have enough affordable housing. You know, the housing market right now is just crazy. You know, and and um, housing prices are escalating. And so, what does it mean for a person who's a first-time home buyer who's trying to find a house when there isn't the, um, you know, uh, there aren't enough affordable houses? And, and so, we have to look at what um, policy measures can be taken and what legislative actions are going to be necessary in order to um, allow for more affordable housing for people in this country. So. Um, I think there's a tremendous amount of work to do. And as we see coming, you know, out of the pandemic, hopefully we're going to uh, have an increase of that need. So uh, more work will be required of both organizations. Mary, you know, as an old houser, I am, you're singing my song. <laughs> uh, I just want to say in, in, in closing, I really want to thank you again. Um, we here at CCUSA want you to know that the, all of the, the CHA members involved in our healthy housing pilot, Ascension in Detroit, Common Spirit in Las Vegas, Providence St. Joe's in Portland, SSN and Mercy in St. Louis, and Providence St. Joe's again in Spokane, have just been wonderful, wonderful partners. I mean, they really have. They've, uh, they've, they've, they've come to the table with open arms trying to to help um, make make this successful and, and, and they're great partners. And I just want to give you a chance if there's anything you'd like to, to add. Well, you know, Curtis, in, in preparation for our time, I was just um, doing a little reflection about the two organizations. Mm. That, um, you know, Catholic Charities, I think, was founded in 1910. And uh, Catholic Health Association was founded in 1915, so pretty pretty close in that. But yes. you know, even to go back, you know, um, uh, these Catholic works, our Catholic ministries, are rooted in an early tradition of women and men who came to this country to care for the needs of early settlers. Um, you know, the services didn't discriminate; um, they did mm. it all. They were given charitable works, they gave health care, they provided education, they provided spiritual and pastoral care, and so on and so on. And as the need increases, those services became more specialized and they evolved. And so we started seeing the Ministry of Healthcare, the Ministry of Education, and the Ministry of Social Services, you know, kind of spun off. And I think, um, you know, we're being called back to our roots. You know, how do we come together collectively again? We've lost sight of our Genesis story, our collective story of how we first came to this country and how we provided care in our communities. So, you know, um, I, I, it gives me great hope to see something like the Healthy Housing Initiative that might be the springboard for some of this, because 
you know, as as ministries of the church, we're all called to work together for justice and human dignity, the common good, and really we're about the gospel work. And we 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 realize that we cannot do this alone, nor should we. So I again um, applaud the work that Catholic Charities is doing and the work our members at CHA are doing collectively with you. And I hope this will be the start of more. Well, I can't believe how time how quickly the time has passed, but Sister Mary, we thank you so much for your time today. CCUSA looks forward to building deeper relationships with you and your Catholic Health Association membership. And uh, again, I just want to thank Sister Mary Haddad for being with us today and uh, wish everyone a great day. So thank you, Sister. Thank you so much, Curtis. Appreciate the time with you. So much.